Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Ground. This is episode three, and a belated Merry Christmas to all of you. Uh, I have been under the weather and feeling like garbage, to be honest with you. Um, not to mention the holiday itself. Uh, so that's why you haven't heard from us in a while. Hope Christmas was good for all of you. You know, um, I wanted to talk just for a second about Christmas and how that might be changing for some of you. Um, when we're when we're in this new faith space, Christmas is still special, but you can't help but feel like it loses something. So much of a lot of our Christmas traditions came to us from church. You know, there's Christmas Eve services, there's cantatas that you know, children's Christmas pageants, things like that, and uh, so many of those memories are so closely tied to our faith tradition. So, if Christmas was weird for you this year. I just want to encourage you. I want to tell you that you aren't alone in that change and that, uh, you know, Christmas never needed to be one feeling for you your whole life. Everything changes. Everything changes. Our our feelings about everything we experience in life are going to change here and there, and, and it's okay. Um, but Christmas still stands for all of the beautiful things that we remember Um and so it's it's still very much worth our celebration and our reverence on that day. So again, Merry Christmas to you all. Uh, ground the podcast this this podcast and the the other initiatives coming from Cathedral Project exist exactly for that reason. If you are feeling alone or you are feeling like you are lost at sea because of some of the foundational things in your life that have gone away, the anchors that held you in place. Ground is exactly what you need to see and feel. It's the hope that you need in your heart of returning to a solid place to stand. And, um, you know, for us, the only thing that really signifies is just a place to belong. It's the way that we're addressing loneliness and isolation. And ground is that solid place for us to stand together, that foundation that we're trying to build back up with Cathedral Project and with the Ground Podcast, among other things. So thank you for being a part of this, and thank you for listening. Today's guest is an absolutely gorgeous woman, a powerful woman, um, a spiritually awakened woman, and I am a little biased because it's my wife. Her name is Natalie. Natalie Collier is joining us on the podcast today. Natalie is, uh, she's been a homeschooler, she's been... um, an amazing life partner to me, and uh, she's just one of my favorite people alive. And she is now helping women discover their true selves through holistic health and life coaching. And if you are a woman looking to discover your true self and be reborn to, to, to go through the metamorphosis of becoming the butterfly that you are inside yourself, but you just are having trouble getting past some of those obstacles and and some of those humps in the way, that's where Natalie comes in. So you can find her at blessherbones.com. So if you guys will welcome with me to the podcast, Natalie Collier. Christmas while you're sick. That has been a joy, a real joy. Can you hear it in my voice right now? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What's it sound like to you? It sounds like sickness. It is. That's what it is. That is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very astute. Uh-huh. Oh, God. I am sick. Uh, for those of you listening, if you were sick over your holiday, I'm so sorry. It's not fun. And for those wives that are listening whose husbands were the only ones sick, uh, my heart's with you, you know? Um, Yeah. That was the voice of my wife, Natalie (laughs) Collier. Everyone, that's my wife. (laughs) Hey, y'all. Yeah. Natalie and I have been married for 37 years. 42. For 42 years. Been married for 20 years, and we're right now sitting in our bathroom, uh, coming to you live from the country bathroom with a leaky uh, shower head in the background and a giant pile of dirty laundry in the floor. We are living the dream, folks. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, now that you have the set in the setting, uh, you know, Merry Christmas, belated Christmas to everybody. That's why we've been 
off the grid for a little while. Uh, so I thought I'd just bring my beautiful bride on to, to talk. You're so beautiful right now, yeah. presently. We, it, it's post-Christmas, and so we're just wearing the same clothes. <laughs> we're in the same clothes for days. I'm actually really. in a clothing competition, uh, seeing how long I can wear this outfit till it like absorbs into my skin. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you don't shower, this is day it, three. Yeah. If you don't shower, it it does accelerate that process. Man, I look good. You That's do look it. good. You yeah. always look good. Oh, I love well, you. Well. Okay, so we're gonna get started here. Let's see. How do we start, Natalie? What do you want to start with? Hey. I, 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 I I have on this. Very official looking outline. Who are we now? How would you describe us? Who are we now? Yeah, as a married couple, who are we? This is such a treat. <laughs> who are we now? Yeah. Um, now, I would say we're expansive. If I was walking by somebody in a store mm-hmm. and I didn't want to get in a long conversation, and what I mean by that is that we have found Christ in all things. Yeah. We have realized that church is as much a sunshiny spring morning where your feet are wet in the grass as Mm. it is sitting in a pew with a candle on Christmas Eve, as it is a conversation at the dinner table or an honest interaction with a neighbor or a long walk in the woods. Um, And so, yeah. Yeah. That's perfect for if you don't want to get in a long conversation at the store with somebody, if they're wanting to just... That's on the back of my card. Yeah. I know usually when I get stopped at the grocery store, people are like... (laughs) Hey, what kind of Christian are you? And I'm like, well, how much how much time well, do you have? Well, are you an emergent old school? I'm a new kind of well, Christian. Yeah. If you smoke a pipe, yeah, you might be the kind of Christian I am. If you have tattoos. <laughs> um, okay, so so how did we get where we are? This might be a good place to talk about maybe like just your, some of your history, whatever you're comfortable sharing. You know, you got mm. a crazy story. I don't know if everyone out there is aware. Some people listening probably are if they know us, but it's pretty wild. Well, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the Baptist church. I was baptized when I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And everybody came from my family. I grew up feeling like God was far off. And I went to church on Sunday to see God. And I came from a divorced family. The divorce wasn't handled in a healthy way. I was five, just starting kindergarten. Um, And I got real wild through my teenage years and did pretty much every episode of Jerry Springer, but like a little more hood. That's probably, yeah, that's probably honest. A little more, what would be another word for Jerry Springer, but like a little more? Rave. Okay. A little more parachute pants, lots of piercings, vibration. <laughs> okay. A little more of that. Yeah. A little touch of the menthols. Uh, that checks touch. out. That checks <laughs> a little, out. A little touch of the Newports. Yeah. Uh, a side of a wow. uh, um, bench warrant out for my arrest yeah. and probation. What? Um, oh, boy. Yeah. And I remember hanging out my window very, very stoned on Robitussin at like 15 and telling myself that one day when I got my act together, I would find God again. Like I always had this rooted sense that deep, deep down my heart was with God. But at that point, I just kind of wanted to be the best worse with the trauma I had been through. Yeah. <clears throat> and I know so much about your story. So, I, you know, I, I know that some of where you were, you know, you weren't, you didn't feel like the spirituality that your parents grew up with or tried to hand on to you was really working for you or was really bringing you to life during that time. It wasn't. It wasn't something you could turn to. No, and it wasn't something that was bringing any adults in my life um, to life either. And I feel like I saw that and I realized that questions weren't welcome. And like most uh, Enneagram 7s with a strong 8-wing, when I found God again... It was a dramatic situation. It was the first time I felt like I want my life to change because God loves me. Mm -hmm. And I went on a mission trip for the summer. I was dating an unhealthy dude. We were both unhealthy. Came back, broke up with him, and just started telling you in the most dramatic Christian way, (laughs) how was your walk with Christ Jesus? Because so hot. Because I had a profound spiritual experience this Mm. summer. 
and I was basically on the bleeding edge of the mission field, saving yeah. souls from hell. So, like, what's up? Steam coming out of my mm. collar right now. Just wow. reliving those. It was so was hot. Steamy God, it was so hot. Right there. Yeah. Ooh, low Christ. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So I know that you know your parents got a divorce when you were like five, and you know you went through all the wild stuff you just mentioned. And then that brings us to church and then you meeting me. And then we got married really young. That's what I, I told people about that in the first podcast. What was it like getting married to me so young? Do you remember where your mind was back then? Oh, kind of yeah. thoughts you were having? Yeah, Jake was, I don't know if y'all know this, but he was the church golden boy. That is a real thing. Um, I mm. was the wild girl. Debatable, but no. I... No, it's real. <laughs> Whether he wanted to be or not, there were women betrothed to him. For sure. I don't remember that. No, that's real. Um, okay. But I had no respect for that. And I just remember, I remember that we were overwhelmingly connected. We were, our chemistry was wild. And I think we both saw in each other like a deep longing to be authentic and to be creative and to love God outside the box, even though we were very much in a box. Yeah. Yeah. And we now look back and can tell that we saw in each other just a desire to feel things deeply. And yeah. we both are deep feelers and we are both pretty good at expressing how we feel. So um, that was something that really helped us hit it off fast. You know, I was kind of a hopeless romantic at that point and it, and it was so short-sighted and hilarious and silly, but it's where I was as a young artist. Do you want me to share with him what you said on our first date? Oh man! You um, know what? It's it's got we got to be vulnerable here. So okay, okay that's fine. we were at the Georgia oh, oh, State boy. Fair. We were sitting on this staircase that led down to where all the carnies have their campers and uh, very <laughs> <The> carnies. <sketchy. laughs> <laughs> it's a little dated. Got a little dust on that word. Uh, what are you British? <laughs> yeah, I'm a British person. I'm sitting with that. Um, <laughs> the carnies, and. Uh, yeah. Jake looked at me, and this is a real sentence that he does not recall stating, but with all of the certainty in his puberating body, he said, Puberating, yeah. I see Jesus coming out of every orifice of your body. And it was the hottest thing I'd ever heard. Mm. I was like, wow, I just got saved. Mm. Yeah, I did say that. And then we were married. I did say that. Yeah. I was a junior in high school at the time. On our second date, we were yeah. like, you're the person God has that's for it. me. I mean, that's when you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, the yeah, upward call. So know? much like, I, I, rem- I just remember being that age and, and thinking I needed to be this on fire Christian kid that, you know, I needed to, uh, I, I just kind of knew the buzzwords. I knew the, I knew the way it was supposed to look. I knew the things that people wanted to hear and I wanted to do it my way, but I, I could just look back and I just see how cookie cutter I was in so many ways. And it, <laughs> it's funny to but me. But I will say but I our, had good intentions, you know, our devotion was genuine. I do feel like in that moment, it wasn't from a contrived place. It was like with every bit of yeah. immature sincerity we could muster we yeah, went for it. That's true. And, you know, no shame on the former self. Definitely not any shame on the former no. self. That was really such a fun time in our lives, you know, mm-hmm. just dating, whirlwind, little high school romance and, you know, sneaking away into <laughs> dark corners to, so our our, pu- our public affection wouldn't be public. You wow. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fun times. All right, so I'm so proud of you, Nat, for everything you've come through. Um, you are three years sober now. Almost four. Almost four years yeah. sober, yeah. Um, that That's a huge accomplishment. Um, you don't have to go into all the details of that, but like, for somebody to have gone cold turkey for that long, is, it's, a, it's a big deal, and it just speaks to how much you've developed as a person. Hmm. I happened to not know that the universe was going to send me the hardest years of my entire life right after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm proud of myself and I feel like that's what I needed to expand more in my heart and my spirit. Yeah. 
Yeah, the hardest years of your life. So for those of you listening who aren't aware um, what Natalie's referencing when she says the hardest years of her life, we lost Natalie's mom last year in July. And um, she had, long story short, been diagnosed with dementia not long before that. And we had all kind of noticed that something was off. And so the last few years of her life were spent just... uh, trying to help her however we could. And we were stunned to lose her as fast as, and as young as we did. And that's, that's what Natalie's talking about. Do you think that deconstructing as a Christian, kind of where we are now, or expanding as a Christian, or however you want to put it, do you think that that kind of happened in the midst of that, or as a result of that, or, or is, it, is it tied together for you in any way? I don't think it's tied together as much as I feel like... Um more unraveled quicker. But before that, I lost my best friend to different beliefs about COVID. And it was a whole very traumatic, very sudden loss. And yeah. I lost my grandmother. And through all of that, actually, I won't name any names, but this person's probably listening. I had a conversation with a dear friend in Washington about, I don't know, before all this, 2018 on the porch late at night when I was still having drinks and I was feeling everything like that. Um, and we were talking about atonement. We were talking about, do we believe that God in God's all one whole enlarged holding the cosmos self was so angry at what God created that God had to send a part of himself to calm his own anger and pay a price. Like when I started to dissect that, I had been chewing on that that year. We went out to Washington, had a conversation with a friend up there, and they were saying the same thing. And it was like deep, almost more than anything I had ever felt about Christianity. I was like, I don't believe that. That is not true. That is not true. And what do you it, think? What do you think it was telling you it wasn't true? How did it, where did the, where did that feel like it came from? The knowledge that that wasn't true. Christ. Yeah, Christ spoke that in you in your in your inner. I voice, would say in, in the place ear. that I now know is my deepest self, my heart, where God really lives. The part of me that was ashamed all growing up. And then when I met Jacob, like, I can't trust my heart. It's wicked above all things. And this weird, weird, um, dichotomy, if you will, of the faith that I realized then like, Oh, this is my deep knowing. Like it's a, no one could ever explain it away because I know it in my bones. The truth of it rang out to me. It's funny to talk about this and hear kind of the the places that your mind goes, because for me, for so long, so many of the things that I felt in my heart, I felt like I had learned these Christian doctrines to like bat those down and like to combat them, you know, like to say, uh, you know, I need to trust my heart. Well, boom, let's bat that down because the heart is wicked and deceitful above all things or whatever, however that reference goes, which by the way, if I'm remembering right, I know that I think it's the Septuagint uh, pre and post. The meaning of the words and of the heart specifically in that verse is at least um, a lot more ambiguous than what we've been taught. The heart itself is a much more ambiguous concept as well as the self. So um, when we talk about hearing from our heart and from our gut and being able to trust that, it's interesting to me that the uh, power structure of Christianity, the institution, has turned things around to where there are ways you should not trust yourself, you should not listen to the voice inside you, and yet that's the still small voice, I believe, that we're hearing when that happens. 100%. Yeah. And to back up to when about 15 years ago, I was when I was really starting to feel what I now call like an expansive faith. And that was like we were at a mega church. They had spent twenty grand on landscaping and given a hundred dollars to an organic garden that I was creating, leading um, with a bunch of sweet volunteers for a local trailer park. That one of the guys there actually had 
the floor was eroding to the point that it was dirt. It was very third world country. And we were teaching them about health and wellness and like how to properly cook things. And, and this trailer them- park, ironically, was in the middle of like very affluent neighborhoods, like yeah. right next to like some of the richest golf country club communities in the area. Yeah. And so when I realized what was what tithe money for the gospel was being spent to make the lawns pretty and to spray pesticides um, versus what was going to this organic garden that was actually helping people. That's when I started to question a whole lot about church as a corporation, church as a family, church as a community where people really are known and belong. And it wasn't adding up. And I've always been a more rebellious person. It's just my nature. And I was yeah. like, ah, Me too. Yeah. Maybe, maybe no. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in la- the last episode where I was talking with Zach, uh, Zach Wheeler, we were uh, covering the way that the church says it wants to make room for all these different types of people. For They want diversity. They want diversity of skin color. They want diversity of thought. And yet, like... You know, when we try to embody and enact the uh, beliefs that we have, we can see like a real lack of support from the church. And that's exactly what you ran into there with um, trying to get something beautiful, organic, good, uh, you know, local produce for people and that not really fitting into like a real value. The initiative of the corporation. You just can see that that really didn't matter. Um, I had a nifty title though. Remember they, they had to have a title instead of just being a volunteer. I was the volunteer environmental savings coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that fits on a name tag. Yeah. Real nice. Real, and neat. This rolls off the tongue. Yeah. That, that leads us from that time at that big church to, uh, my, some of my more difficult times, you know, you didn't have as hard a time as I did at this time. I think you were really being a team player and really trying to stick with me. But this is when we left that church like Abraham without knowing. Oh, we thought we were so yeah, freaking profound and holy. Yeah, man. Wow. Out into the wilderness till we we're broke as shit. Yeah, we were broke as shit, man. <laughs> Had to sell a house, short sell, almost foreclosed. Short sale style. Yeah, that was that was fun, and uh, that was during some depression and some um, just realization that I didn't really have any focus in my life. I didn't have like a professional focus. I was just kind of. I, I think I realized then how much I was leaning on the church, not just for identity, but just like the family, the the the. Providence, all of that stuff. I do want to add this. When I look back now where we are, there were some precious people. So I don't want, I want to make sure that I'm clear. Like the church is full of beautiful, caring, tender people. Like Jake and I probably would not still be together if we wouldn't have had some of our marriage mentors and small groups. And so those, we feel like the church that's where the church shines the most. And on this side of it, that's the loneliest part of our heart is just the gathering, the sharing a meal, the way the church often does that well, bringing someone a casserole when they had a baby. And so we definitely experienced Christ there. And there was definitely loving, nurturing moments with people that no, from no vantage point does that not sit like anything other than a treasure. Yeah, that's that's well said. And it was a good time in a lot of ways. But, you know, like we said, like Abraham, without knowing, decide that we're going to leave. And um, just hoping that God's going to take us where we need to go, which I truly do believe he did. She did <laughs> over time. But our uh, models mm. of how our life should look mm. are what began to fall apart. And that was the process, the first first kind of identity crisis for me, and and led to me really reeling and not knowing who I was and not knowing what I should do with my life and not knowing how to focus my my profession or my skills or whatever. I was going to say that I feel like too, along with that, 
you realize how deep the indoctrination is of like, if I pray long enough about this thing, then in faith, God will grant me this in grace and goodness. And when it doesn't happen, because sometimes it doesn't, often it doesn't, you're just left with this, like, what do I, what is real? What are, what are my gifts? What is God doing? Did it, what is wrong with me that I didn't turn the hands of God? It's, it's a really clusterfuck of a place to be Mm -hmm. because you, you, again, your deep core, the whole time you feel at war with it, you're questioning it. So if you, let's say I really dreamed of us being in the Northwest and we prayed and we fasted and we journaled and we worshiped towards that goal. And we went and we interviewed and then it doesn't happen. And then you're just like, okay, well, what do I do? Do I like put a verse on it? How do I explain why it didn't happen? It felt true. It felt true to me. And ironically now, this sounds so devoutly Christian, what I'm about to say, but I realized that Christ wasn't allowing certain forward movement because our character wasn't ready. So in love, because God is love, no amount of my short-sighted childish pleading was going to allow the abundance of God to grant me something my character was not ready for. Yeah. But my Christian spirituality would have told me, you need to do more. Yeah. You need to have faith. What did you miss? What, what deceit is in your heart that like all that questioning and I feel so far from that now. And that is such a liberating feeling. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good, that's a good segue to something I was thinking about earlier was that we, the, another thing Zach said in that last interview I did with him, the last episode was that the church does pretty good getting people to a certain point. But then when things start to really hit the fan and things start to fall apart, it doesn't do as good a job because what you start to see is like this comparison, this this love affair that the church has with that Western hero story arc of the billionaire oh, yeah. of the like the person that that rises up the one charismatic leader to to lead the church the one Moses prophet the one that narrative that story arc is just so like sewn into everything about our messages about like you know um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and we're now more than conquerors and all this language about but when you're not conquering you right. know when you when you're giving it your best and you really had good intentions and you really did do what you felt like you should do and it still didn't work. Yeah. You know, then what? It's lonely too. And the questions and all of that, Jake and I saw then and now, the questions were not welcome. No. They haven't been welcome at the last three churches we've been at. Right. Well, and then you would get told something like, yeah, just to keep going with what I was saying a second ago, you, you, you get told these stories about, when things didn't go well and how somebody just kept trusting or like, you know, I'm going to keep on returning back and knocking on the door over and over again. And, you know, what about Job? And there's just all these, these things that people fall back on. But yeah, when you start to go, wait a minute, like, okay, I'm working at this church and I'm driving the cheapest little piece of shit car because it's all I can afford. And I'm driving into a parking lot with pastors who have Hummers and no one said blessed. No one said one. hashtag blessed. Yeah, on the front of it. Uh, and then getting made fun of for my car by staff members when I'm poor. <laughs> you know, like based on Western is, standards. That yeah. is cold blooded. Yeah. You know. Um, and and so that I don't know. I, you just that comparison, like of one person to the next, and the, and that the 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 entire like ego game that you know is not healthy, you're still seeing it play out in front of you. And that's a big part, I think, of the reason why you end up wanting to deconstruct those beliefs a little bit. And you and I found that there was such a circular way that all of those conversations went, like you were just saying, well, have more faith and you're more than a conqueror. And it's like, okay, but also bad shit happens and people get sick and they die. Yeah. And things are hard sometimes and insufferable. And that's just the truth. They're <laughs> also beautiful. They're also being made new. But if there's a question that might not have an answer, that does not stand in Western Christianity. And I find that small. I remember one occasion where a friend was trying to go to camp 
And uh, this is back when Dave Ramsey had blown up all through the church and the financial peace university stuff was going on, you know. And uh, this is a little bit of a silly story, but I think it kind of goes along with why people end up not loving this church model we're in. I remember that the mom couldn't afford to send my friend to camp and and they were told by uh, one of the like ministry assistants, uh, oh, well, just apply the latte factor. And if y'all don't know what the latte factor is, that's where you say, oh, what are the things in my life that I'm just spending money on like every day that I could stop doing that would just add up over time and blow my mind? Like a latte from Starbucks, if you're doing that every day. Well, the mom, <laughs> the mom's retort to this ministry assistant was, you're buying a Starbucks latte every day? <laughs> Who the hell's paying your salary? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know. Damn. It just—it's it, funny, like the disharmony you can see in w- what's going on in that model, that corporate nature, that like this is this—that's so so American. It's so tied into like everything's filtered through that mindset, you know. So that's that's it's that's fun stuff to relive. I don't want to talk about that, but I, I'm going through all this because you can already hear. Probably you two listeners can already hear all of the rebuttals from all of the ministry leaders, pastors, uh, you know, devotional booklets and workbooks and, you know, debates that you've ever heard about why uh, you should continue to, uh, you know, go to church when you're having all these doubts and going through all this hard stuff. Like, you know, you can already hear all of the uh, the retorts against all of the points that you've made and the trying to hook you into a doctrinal sort of debate about every little point. And there just comes a point where it's fair to say, I'm not interested in that anymore. Yeah. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, there's such a more spacious place to abide. Yeah. Like it, it, it's moving spirituality from the body and from the heart and soul into the mind when we get all bogged up in all this doctrinal crap because, you know, such and such guy said to this other guy who we're both white, but let's not even get into all that, you know, that such and such scripture should be interpreted this way because of the (laughs) council of whatever and thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, you know, nothing that's really connected to you right now. Yeah. You know, like not coming down to rest within you and actually being vibrant and alive and organic, you know. And I think that it breeds arrogance in all of us. I know that when you and I were doing well, we were the cool kids. You're on stage. It was cool. Like I went up there as your fan with your kids and look, our boys have on chucks. Aren't we so damn cool? Yeah. And I feel like that whole model breeds arrogance in a way that when you walk away from it into the wide open places, there's this humility and this childlike wonder of like, I have more questions than I have answers. And yet I've never felt more alive and more connected to Christ in all things. So it's ironic that the very um, doctrine that teaches, you know, your heart is wicked and and lay down your pride and don't be arrogant at the same time the way the western model is it breeds arrogance because it puts you in this prosperity place of um i can do all things and and i have an answer for every single question i am not open to a conversation this is a closed loop how the hell can you not feel like an authority figure how can you approach anything openly. You're not taught that. You're praised if you have all your scriptures memorized and all of your stuff buttoned up. Yeah. And it's wild that out here, the (laughs) table is longer and it's just full of wonder. Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, are we really getting anywhere if all we're doing is just learning a set of answers to questions and reciting those answers every time that life brings us some unique circumstance you know are we really evolving and are we really interesting human beings when we just have the same set of fallback things every time which leads me to the bible and to a couple of different topics um and i just like to kind of share where we are on these right now okay uh, yeah, because I think that <laughs> it's helpful for some people to 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 just hear it said aloud, to just understand like 
this is, this is how, how I can be different this way. I, I'm, I'm now a different person. These are my views. So let's just start with um, the Bible itself. How do you feel about the Bible these days? Wow. What do you believe about the Bible? Oh, <laughs> the old good book. The good book. The good book. Yeah. There's, there's the, the Holy Trinity, right? Praise there's the, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy the mother. Bible. The mother. The mother. What? You can't <laughs> oh, say that. Okay, the Bible. Oh, I boy. think the Bible is beautiful. I think it is. It was inspired by people that were embodied by Christ. I think it's full of. Oh, uh, what's a good word? I think it's full of errors, and I think it should it not be read as a textbook. I think it should be read as a beautiful work. I think it should be respected for that. I think it has really, really, um, really deep truth of God in it about how to love people and how to live in in a present way every day and not worry about tomorrow. Um, I think I think Revelation as a literal interpretation. Um, kills me dead. Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one to deal I with. I do feel that. Yeah. Um, that's really all I think I should say on the yeah, Bible. Yeah, that's okay. Bit. So I would say, just to kind of piggyback on that and, 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 and share a little bit of my own perspective, the Bible, it's good and useful for all things pertaining to life and godliness. godliness. I thought that was in Timothy. Maybe it is. I don't know. But Timothy and Paul I don't kind of go hand in hand, don't they? I don't know. Um, anyway, yeah, who cares? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. A lot of people care. Just a kidding. Lot. A lot. Of, and wow. no disrespect. You're going to get thrown off. Yeah. Well, thrown off what? My own podcast? I'm thrown off the boat. The boat. <laughs> the boat. <laughs> thrown off the boat. The boat. Oh, my God. Oh. Um, wow. That was okay. Well, that wow. was a little bit of a rant. Yeah. Those moments happen around here a lot, everyone. If you ever end up hanging out with us, you might scratch your head here and there because <sighs> it's just fun. Keeps things spicy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So whatever that was, that little spaz out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible. Yeah. Um, we just believe we should respect it. We believe mm-hmm. that it's, it is beautiful. It is so important. It's been transformational to the world yeah. in a lot of really good ways. It's just that when it comes down to it, I cannot, I'm just not intellectually satisfied anymore by the idea that it is perfectly authoritative and breathed Inerrant. by God. I can't do that anymore. I can't, I just can't do it. I, it never, it never really satisfied me intellectually and it, and it, it got really like impossible for me to hold on to that belief uh, about four or five years ago. Um, and I would like to say that um, something about the Bible that I appreciate is I do feel like it gave a rootedness to Jake and I's spiritual formation that I still go back to. Like yeah. certain scriptures are so precious in my formation, but also the people that we know personally that hold it in the highest regard as we've aged with them over the last 20 years, those are the people that, to me, it looks like their circles get closer, their walls get taller. And that's been wild to watch. Um, we even we had some precious friends of ours we were with a couple years ago, and I said, is there anything in the last 10 years that you have thought about that is like you have a new opinion, like your mind has shifted on that? Because... Jake and I have experienced in our thirties, like change is the whole thing. It's all, everything's always changing yep. for better, for worse. It just is. If something's not changing, it's dead. Yes. And this person did not even skip a beat and was like, no, no. And it was so wild to me. I just thought about it later and thought about how many things are constantly evolving and not in the way that a Christian would be like, well, you're just a you're just a ship being tossed about in the ocean, but in a way of like, no, there's like a rootedness that actually comes in surrender and it comes in letting go. And that's a very fluid, very changing place that you are more alive. You're more present and you're humble and open in a way to say, I do not have it all figured out. I don't. 
I'm open. Teach me something. Life, teach me something, fellow human being. Is there a way I've looked at this that I might need to turn that diamond a little bit? And I'm open to it because I trust the truth of God that lives in me. Yeah. We, we as a human race have got to start to evolve in some ways. It, it, and I see it kind of just manifest everywhere. It's manifest in tribalism. It's manifest in American politics, social media. It's manifest in uh, our, our Christian doctrines that you begin to listen to a certain set of voices. You listen to an opinion that has a certain group of people who hold the same opinion, and those, that group of people have tried to make their opinion as watertight as possible, and you get into this echo chamber sort of mentality where you can't hear an opposing viewpoint no. without immediately going to all of your sources. We feel threatened. We, were, to, we saw that. Yeah. Going to your bias and confirming it over mm-hmm. and over again at all costs, because there is something in our brains and our lizard brain that feels physically threatened. It's like the same level as mm-hmm. physical attack when someone comes against a core belief that we have. So this evolution I'm talking about is just, it's so important for us to begin to realize our own vulnerabilities and our yeah. own brains, the ways that we think. Our um, programming. Our programming, the, the, the way that we've been taught, the way we've been indoctrinated, and to back up and go, okay... I can look at this objectively and say what I know to be true and what I know to not be true about it. Yeah. That that's that at a basic level, that's what we're talking about here with the Cathedral Project and with initiatives like Ground. The idea is just to get us to a point where we can start to lay off these long-held beliefs and we can start to welcome in, truly welcome in diversity of thought and opinion. You know, there are plenty of people in Cathedral Project and in Ground and in all of our community efforts who are still going to feel very much like they did theologically before they left the church. For them, it might just be not being churched anymore. And that might be the only difference for them now. But this mindset of, I haven't changed anything I think for 25 years and that, that is a noble thing like it was he said it in a light that it was so like amazing like yeah. a virtuous thing like even the very concept of like alpha dogs and hierarchies and the way that those things arise in the world i know jordan peterson loves him some hierarchies and i don't have a problem with him but like it's the hero narrative the the highly individualized story that's gotten us to a place where we have aggrandized these alpha dogs and allowed them to get us into this doctrinal kind of lockstep that we're in now. And it's important to be aware of that. And there isn't any space in it. Like if you pull one of those little pieces, the whole thing crumbles because the solid belief, it must stand as one constructed, hard, airtight shape. And if you pull anything on that, you might as well tell them you think the whole thing's not real. Yeah, absolutely. Which is wild. Yeah. Because I've never felt closer to Christ in my life. I've never felt that is a real statement from my spirit. I've never felt closer to Christ than I do now. We're lonely. We're lonely in this season for more friendship. We are out here in the sticks where we live, and that's been a whole long story. But anyway, that's a rabbit trail. Let's hit another one. Let's hit. Uh, let's hit sexuality. And oh wow, there's purity culture. We've talked about that before on this podcast, and it's very, becoming clear that we're going to have to probably devote. <laughs> yeah, we can't even go there right now. It. We can't go there right but now. But beyond that, just sexuality and sexual orientation oh, wow. and all of that. How, our views have changed pretty radically on on that, or at least. I don't think they changed all that radically. I think that we had a feeling inside ourselves, Mm -hmm. like a compass telling us what we knew was right to believe, but we had all those airtight, self-referential biblical doctrines keeping us from believing that it's okay to be gay, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's another, that's a perfect example of something that's changed in us now. Like, I think it's important that people hear that said out loud. Yeah. Like, it's okay. God, yeah. It's okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you are a human being. You are loved. You were you were known before the foundation of the world, and you were knit together exactly the way that you are. 
and your natural sexuality, the way that your body is 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 telling you to um, embrace that side of yourself, that is something you should do and be blessed in doing. And, and obviously there's, I'm sorry, Nat, real quick. There's obviously all sorts of wisdom and education and all that that goes into sexuality and into sexual practice for anybody. But if you're listening to this and you haven't felt accepted in that way, that is an absolute shame and you need to feel love and acceptance and that you need to know that you're accepted in this space. And we're so sorry that you ever didn't feel like you were home because you're always home with God. Amen, sister. Wow. <laughs> all right. Well, We've got some time here, Nat. Um, that's, Do we? That's most of what I had on my stupid little outline. But Your outline's precious. Man. It worked. It kept us on, on track here. Um, and we're getting, I don't know what, close to 45 minutes or so. Yeah. What, I else, mean, what else is on your mind? I feel like all the topics, there's too much to talk about with each topic because there's so much that I would love to talk about at some point about the lack of... Um, what's the word integrating the bodily experience of being alive that we found after we walked away from the church or a little bit in secret while we were there. That has just been a huge thing that we're learning and, um, unlearning certain things and remembering trauma and honoring it and feeling it and healing from it by feeling it. And, there's just so much that goes along with it. And it's kind of one of those things where when you step away and you get quiet, you then can see these, these wounds and these narratives bubble up. And you're like, oh my God, I really, I really thought that. And that was so painful. That was such a, a very self-shaming thing. Um, and I can already hear right now some precious people that we love from our past thinking of like, oh, this new deconstruction is just so feely and like people don't even know who they are anymore and they're just deciding like, oh, myself, my truth. It's not that. This is not that. This feels like coming home to yourself and finding Christ is there. This feels like shame begins to dissolve and you can experience presence and wonder with mother nature and with father God and mother God and spirit. This feels like energy, uh, that you're tapping into the energy of the cosmic Christ on a daily basis. And there's nothing new agey about it in the way the church would teach, but it's a deeper embodiment of being human that is often not on offer in Western Christianity. Yeah. And I am here for it. It's pretty beautiful. I, I think that we've also noticed like that being married, being man and wife, that uh, husband and wife, man and woman. Man and wife. Man and wife. We're man and wife. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, um, my God. I don't know why I said man and You're wife. You're my man and I'm your wife. <laughs> so cute that's so cute honey. um that you know our our thoughts about spirituality mm-hmm. tend to be different um they're they're very united in the kind of the core and most important ways that we've both defined yeah we We're have different. some we have some ways that we um some some aspects of spirituality that are easier for each of us to embrace like mm-hmm. notice that like the masculine side for some reason and this is obviously all of it's on a spectrum, but what could be characterized as more masculine is this kind of wandering sort of hunting. I don't know. It, it makes it easier for you to uh, grasp concepts like the void in Buddhism, the abyss, um, the dark night of the soul I'm from Saint John of the Cross. You know. I'm not there. Those sort of things, those grave, big themes. And obviously there's there's loads of joy in them, you know, when you, you layer on meditation and stuff like that. But those concepts that are more away from the entity and the form and more into the formless seem to be easier for me yeah. to deal with. And the deeply embodied feminine that, uh, that, that bears children into the world and and offers sustenance and nourishment like 
a man can't even imagine does have a natural proclivity toward entities and toward wanting a person to be attached to these concepts. And so Mm. the void and the abyss and all that aren't nearly as natural of an expression of your spirituality as the mother Mm -hmm. and the father and the spirit as sister, brother, Christ, the brother. It's very, it's very bodily. Mm-hmm. And would I you love say, that. Would you say we're the same on like our thoughts on energy? Because that's one we should talk about that another time. I don't know. Well, you said another time. Shoot, what what have you got? No, I just I just the whole concept of energy. Like we, that was such a church no no. Like, yeah. No, oh my god! Don't be talking about energy right now. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you must be new age. Yes, and I am. I'm gonna keep my kids away <laughs> from kidding. you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's been beautiful. That's fair. We can talk about that for a minute. Energy. So, like, uh, what is it specifically in your mind that you're thinking when you say energy? I am, my entire life, I've talked about vibe since I was a teenager at least. Like, oh my gosh, it's a good vibe. It's a bad vibe. And realizing there's so much validity to that. And even in the scientific world, like, you know, we don't yeah, need to talk go dirty in. to my love when oh you talk about God, science. Uh, oh, yeah. But just the way <laughs> that that we are learning about the quantum realm and the idea that there is a vibration that every living thing carries. And as Christians, we come from churches that, no, no, like, don't you dare talk about energy and that's evil and there's demonic activity in that. And that just keeps people away from this whole other world where you walk out in the sunshine and you put your feet on the ground and ground into mother earth's current of life. Yeah. And you know that, that you're exchanging energy and you're picking up energy and you're gathering and you're releasing and you're doing all these things and it grounds you to the human experience and it grounds you to that deep knowing that intuitive voice and that has been one of the most marvelous things that that we've explored in the last few years of like, this is so good and true and beautiful and noble and praiseworthy and all the fruits of the spirit, like all of those things. I'm like, oh, this is joy. This is kindness. This is peace. Yeah. And uh, yet I was told, you know, at the Christian bookstore that don't talk about energy up here. That's a really good point. And I think that energy and the way that it moves i think that that's been something that's been perceived and felt through the ages yeah and that what's been attributed to that has been you know superstition or religion or some sort of belief in a god or gods and you know where that actually originates we're not 100% sure probably sun worship from like you know cavemen who you know, could tell that the sun because they along knew with it. intuitively they, because well, Christ tell, was in them. They could tell that the sun was bringing a certain amount of prosperity to them, and that the rains and the snows maybe not so much to them. But that was before they knew what we know now. And so, bringing that to today, this current of the quantum world and of energy and of entangled particles and the subatomic world and the way that the, that there are multiple dimensions and all this stuff, it's always been true. The mystics and the spiritualists have seemed to have known this intuitively for a long time. So one thing that I really want to jump into and want to really ride this wave as best as we can as a collective is abstract thinking versus concrete thinking. Mm. Mm. This is something that I think is 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 being pulled from us right now as as a as a human race. It's time for us to start realizing that the interconnectedness of all things is law. Yeah. It's it's not it's not universal law. Yeah, it's not something. Uh, it's not woo woo. It's not like you know this new is, age crystal store. Yeah, it's not like this is God over there and that's not God over there. Or this is you sitting over there, but that person over there, they're totally separate from you. The core basic law of the universe we're finding is this interconnectivity. It's everywhere. So the abstract thinker tends to deal with this concept better than the concrete thinker. And concrete thinking has been dominating Christianity for so long. Not to mention 
the scientific discussion, when we're talking about materialism mm -hmm. and the way that people believe that there's just no supernatural force at all at work, that everything has a perfectly explicable physical uh, cause and effect, causality. And we know now that that just at the basic level is completely being torn apart. Right and now. what's ironic is that the message of the gospel of love winning is exactly what you find that is holding all things together. That is the love, that is the oneness of all things is the same God is love that the scripture says is the same feeling you have when you stand in the sun and it hits your face. Like that, that, that it's almost like somehow in that abstractness, you find yourself in a posture that feels more devoted than when you were sitting in the church, checking off your list, feeling good about your ego that you've done your tithe and you've done your 10 minutes of Bible time, quiet time in the morning, and you have served the poor. And so like, good job. And you can still do all those things out here in what I would say is the expansive place. All those things. It's like the meaning feels richer and deeper sure, here. Yeah. Which is ironic. Yeah, because you're realizing the interconnected space yeah. from what you're doing it. And and you're it's not living up in some vague notion in your mind. It's it's something that you can know to be true in your heart. Yeah. And you can act from that place. And that's what being like an incarnate human, an embodied person, yeah, living fullness really looks like. And that's that's where we want to go. We want to get people uh, to a place where they can they can accept the the world wasn't what they thought it was, and and they can accept that maybe their spirituality, maybe themselves, isn't what they thought it was yeah. because everything is always changing. Yeah, that's just the way it is, man. And that's actually beautiful. It is beautiful. Well, okay, honey. Um, I'll end by just saying that Natalie is doing her best work right now. Wow. And is Thanks, now, yeah, is now what we would call a, a life guide or a holistic health coach, a life coach, and um, is focusing on women and helping them find their their truest and best selves. So, where can people find you, Nat, to uh, to 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 come underneath your tutelage and to to to, to discover themselves? Oh my gosh, you can find me at blessherbones.com. Oh my God, you have yeah. a website? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my husband made it for me. Oh, um, yeah, but you could. I would love to work with anybody because these are the kinds of things we can address during that. And I do twelve week sessions, ninety day energy renewals, and ninety day rebirth program. We work on health. We work on nurturing and nourishing all the parts of you. Um, and that's it's wild how that overlaps with a lot of the dreams that are in Jake's heart. And I'm like, you know what? When you're forty, you can actually say with confidence. I can help people. The, dr the dreams that are in William's heart. Oh, the dreams that are in William's yeah, heart. That's not right. Jake. I don't know who that is. Oh, Jake. We don't know who he is. That's your past self. <laughs> it's the old wineskin. Okay. I'm still Jake around here. Wow. It's just, you He'll know. He'll always be Jake to me. Someday we'll be able to edit all this out and make it make William really stick. But uh, if you get close to me and we ever meet in person out there in podcast world, wherever you are, I will allow you to call me Jake. All right? I will always yeah. call you, Jake. It's because we're, 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 William. we're one, aren't we? Mm. We're all one. All right. Well, I love you, Natalie. Thanks for being on my podcast. Will you come back? Yeah, I love you, baby. If you just ever want to call me, I, you know, I live pretty close by. Okay, sweet. And the next spot on your bed. Oh. Oh, wow. You do sleep in my bed. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Isn't she so fun? That's 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 the person I get to live my life with every day. I'm a huge fan. I'm sure you are too. Um, today's meditation we're going to close with, this is very different. Um, I'm going to teach you a quick little trick to be present in a moment. And we're going to do this through just a basic breath meditation, and then we're going to do sort of a visualization exercise. Um, so like we always do, let's try to close our eyes or at least just quiet ourselves. Find a space where you can just be still for a little while and 
you know, you can pause this podcast if you need to, to find that space. Just a reminder, if you've never heard this before, 30 seconds to two minutes or, you know, of, of meditation is better than none and has huge benefits for your brain. So if you're like feeling any kind of uh, that old devotions guilt from Christianity or not spending enough quiet time, uh, you know, the kind of the ways that we were conditioned, a lot of us, uh, meditation, the requirement of meditation is so small that there really is no need for you to feel this pressure to do a certain amount of it for a certain amount of time, a certain amount of times a week, just a few times a week, 30 seconds to two minutes is super easy. And you can go up from there and you will feel the benefits in your life. So as you find that quiet space, we are going to do what we always do. You're just going to settle down your brain and just breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. These don't have to be super deep breaths, but good deep breaths do help you to center yourself. So in through the nose and out through the mouth. And you're going to have thoughts, of course. I want you to let those thoughts just occur. As you continue to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Okay, now, once you feel like you have done an adequate amount of this and slowed your brain down, I want you to do this visualization with me, and it's a very literal and physical visualization. And I learned this from Duncan Trussell, who has a wonderful podcast, and it's from his mother, who was a a pretty amazing spiritual personality. Um, But what I want you to do is I want you to hold your finger up in front of you on either hand. It doesn't matter, left or right. And I want you to try to feel what the inside of your finger feels like. Can you describe it? This is weird, isn't it? Keep looking at that finger. Bear with me. Keep looking at that finger and try to picture the feeling you're having inside that finger. Some people describe it as a warmth or um, like a glow because, you know, so much of our feeling is external. It's on the outside, but there's more inside us than that. So what? try to just visualize the feeling of that, that yourself in that finger. Now open your hand and try to... Try to locate the feeling of yourself in your hand while you're looking at your hand. Is it that same kind of dull, glowing feeling? Is it that warmth we were talking about? Or is it something else, like an electricity, like a buzz? It's okay, whatever it is. You're just here to feel it. Now, extend that down through your arm, up to your shoulder. All the while breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I want you to hold up your other hand and do the same thing. Fingers, hand, arm, all the way through. And you're probably speeding up the process now. You're kind of, you've kind of got the feeling. But yeah, just stay with it. Stay with it. Stay with that feeling of what is inside your fingers, your hand, your arm. Now your toes, now your feet, and now your legs, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And now you can take this awareness up through your torso and up through your neck to your chin, your face, your ears all the way up to the top of your head. And now just feel that feeling of dwelling inside your body. What is the feeling 
feel like. Just picture it in your mind. It doesn't have to be exact. It's a very ambiguous feeling for a lot of us, and that's okay. But just breathe in as you're present with this and breathe out. All right, what we've just done is we've used a free trick to become present. You are now here. You can do this anytime. You can you can you can stop anytime that you're feeling like you just want things to slow down, like you want to be present to your life, you want to indwell the moment and just do this simple exercise. That feeling of indwelling your body, indwelling this physical space that you take up and really being here for it. That is presence. So keep breathing. Breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And now that you're present, just take note of what you hear around you and your surroundings right now. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you smelling? What are you feeling? Breathing in and breathing out. This is what it means to be here now, to be right here in the present moment. And this is a practice you can do all through the days of your life to bring you into this moment where eternity touches our every moment. Is it's this presence where we get to touch eternity like this. So I I pray and hope that this practice and that this meditation is good and beneficial for you and that you're able to use it in your lives. Be blessed. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ground from Cathedral Project. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and you can find us at cathedralproject.com. Thank you.